Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, August the 12th, 2020, and we are reading from the big book. We're continuing our study of the doctor's opinion. We're on page XXVIII, the fourth paragraph, Men and Women Drink. And we're reading through four sentences this morning, ending at the top of page XXIX with the line, Taking with Impunity. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Kim T, 12 Traditions, Anita P, and readers of the text, Julie R, Katie G, and Wendy M. The reference numbers for Tuesday, August the 11th, 7 a.m. meeting, 15135, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 15137. OA Preamble. Overuse Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of... Lynn, would you please press star one? We lost you. Hi, am I back now? Yeah, I'm here. You are. Yes. Okay, where did you lose me, Melanie? That was on the tip of my tongue, and now I've forgotten. Okay. All right, so our sole purpose, then, always fifth tradition, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kim T., to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Kim. Please press star one, Kim. Sorry, having trouble with that. Um, Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to a to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 
five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kim T. And Anita P. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. This is actually Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, living in the solution for today, the 12 traditions of the Readers Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. I think somebody's unmuted with a child. Uh, Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Have a good day. Thank you, Anita L. And just to let us all know, we are having a, a little bit of technical difficulty this morning, so you will hear some background noise or you may, but please don't ask people to mute their phones because then everybody unmutes 
and some people forget to remute and it makes it worse, but we are working on it, so thank you. Uh, let's see, where are we? How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are on page XXVIII at the bottom of the page, men and women drink essentially. And this morning, we are just reading through four sentences, ending at the top of XXIX, taking with impunity. So I will ask today for Julie R. to get us started. And I'm sorry, you know what? I missed a whole whack there, so let's, let me back up. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is no, six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Sorry, I seem to be off script today. I apologize for that. Anyway, Julie R., could you please get us started? Julie, press star one to unmute. Ah, I was talking to myself. Hi, I'm Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive, while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented until they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the, oh, sorry, that's where I'm finishing, impunity. Again, I'm Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And this paragraph, or half a paragraph, is so powerful. Because the first part of this paragraph is is so important because Dr. Silkworth is telling me why I drink. I drink for that effect so that I don't have to fill. And, you know, when it says, you know, admit it's injurious, it's like, even though I knew this was going to hurt me, that maybe I get up to 302 pounds again, 
But I still did it because, again, I can't differentiate the true from the false. If I overeat, this is going to happen. It doesn't matter because once I'm in that disease model and I'm not a recovered woman, I am going to not be able to look and see what is reality. Uh, when they talk about they are re- restless, irritable, and discontented. So for me, it's like now, am I easily annoyed? Am I never satisfied? What's going on? So again, this is the first description of an untreated alcoholism. And I can get that way once I'm recovered. And that is such a red flag for me. Um, It's like, do I still believe that I can get some sense and ease off of eating? Um, As a recovered woman, again, because you guys haven't heard me for a long time, because... Julie, we've lost you. Please press star one. I got muted again. I don't know where you lost me at. Shoot. Um, did I say that that paragraph is important here because Dr. Silkworth tells me why I drink? It's uh, key because sometimes we don't know why we drink. We drink because we have to have that ease, that comfort. I have to have my fix. Just like for me, if, if I were to take... You know, when you're in the hospital and have surgery, they give you that shot, and then all of a sudden you're wasted within two minutes. That's what happens to me when I take a bite. But, again, it only lasts for a second. So I have to watch out if I am restless, irritable, and discontented. For me today, it's if I'm easily annoyed at somebody at work, one of my employees, whatever. I have to pay attention to that, and then I do some spiritual Sorry, Julie, we've lost you again. I don't know why I keep on getting muted. So I guess I'm going to finish because I have no clue what you heard me say. <laughs> I got I got muted three times. But anyway, it's a powerful paragraph, and it describes what we do and why we continue to do it because we can't differentiate the true from the false. So I'll pass with that. Okay. Thank you, Julie R. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others may share their experience too. Please say your name just once as it does help me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Katie so, from Boston. Nancy Reva P. Melissa G. Okay, let me tell you who I heard so far. Katie G. Nancy P. Nessa R. Reva P. Who did I miss, please? Melissa G. Harlan G. Carolyn H. Great. Okay, I've got our lineup then, please. Um, I have from Katie G. Nancy P, Nessa R, Reva P, Melissa G, and Harlan G. And then I also heard Carolyn. And Carolyn, you'll start us off for our second round. Okay, good morning, Katie. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for all the service today. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. What a rock star paragraph, right? It tells me that I eat because I like the effect produced by food, right? I'm not eating because I love the taste of the food, which is crazy to me. Like, I thought I just 
was overly addicted to the taste of chocolate or whatever it was, but I'm looking for an effect, a sense of ease and comfort, and I'm not just looking for it, I'm yearning for it. I've been told that this yearning inside of me as an addict is similar to the yearning that people have for wholeness and security. And yeah, I, it, it is elusive, right? This sensation that I'm yearning for is elusive, which means hard to grasp. I can't, I can't really tell you about it. And while I admit that exercising bulimically is harming me, I can't differentiate the truth from the false. And my big book um, teacher, the first one who taught me 11 years ago, said this is a line that's going to ring true for you for the rest of your life. You can't differentiate the truth from the false. And that is why, for me, I have an allergy to the body, but my greater aspect of, of my disease is this mental obsession, this obsession that tells me when I'm restless, when I'm, uh, when I'm anxious, when I'm nervous, when I'm tense, when I'm irritable, when I'm crabby, when I'm discontented, malcontent, right? I am driven by my feelings. My mind tells me my feelings are my boss. My mind tells me that because I'm feeling something, I'm not okay, and that I have to, that I need to make it go away, um, that I yearn for this. And the other thing I've heard is, not only can I not differentiate the truth from the false, like is it harming me that, that I'm exercising bulimically? Is it good? I, my my, um, my food-based life becomes the only one I know, but also my fear-based life becomes the only one I know. I mean, when I was abstinent only and I didn't have a power greater than myself, and I thought that the point of this program was to start managing my life, right? Like I thought I, I, I do this program and then I get to start managing um, I was filled with fear. I was driven, driven by fear. Um, you know, and I just, and, and these are actions that I see others taking with impunity, which means no consequence. So I can be around people who are exercising, who are getting on the scale, who are um, engaging with food that I don't eat, and, and, they, and they, they don't have any consequence with what happens to them. But for me, you know, I, my life goes from, like, knowing that I'm, I'm harming myself a little bit to being absolutely face down in the food and not being able to differentiate, like, this is my disease doing it to me. And with all of this wonderful harmonious uh, noise in the background, I'm going to take my seat. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you, Katie G. Nancy P., it's your turn, followed by Nessa Orr. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. This is Nancy P. calling from West Newton, Massachusetts, recovered. Um, so my thing with this paragraph is, yeah, I liked the effect produced by alcohol. Um, mostly the effect that <clears throat> I was restless, irritable, and discontented. I, they are, right? I was restless, irritable, and discontented. I didn't become that way because of eating. I, I ate to, to get past that. What I, so what I liked that, that effect of not being restless, irritable, and discontented. What I couldn't stand, though, was the phenomenon of craving that was immediately triggered, um, really pre-triggered by the thinking and then nailed down shut with the actual action of eating. And... Um, I was always chasing that experience, the ease and comfort, you know, just like an addict, you know, um, shooting up a drug into their veins and then relaxing, you know. I just, you know, I I loved that feeling for the first, you know, few seconds. And um, 
And then I was trapped in a horrible maze of futility because I couldn't stop feeding the craving. And, um, um, you know, it was elusive. It was trying to, it was like trying to waste smoke on a scale. You know, I just couldn't, there was never a flavor. There was never a substance. There was never a kind of food. There was never anything that was going to make that craving go away. And then the, um, the restlessness, irritability, and discontent would take ever more of my drug to get past. Um, it was just a horrible cycle, and I never, I never could get past it until, until say it with me, I surrendered. And um, you know, once I surrendered, then I, um, I could step back. I stopped eating compulsively. I hadn't recovered. Surrender does not mean recover, but I, st- I could step back. I could get out of that horrible cycle that I never. Nancy, we've lost you. Please press star one to unmute. Sorry about that. I, I'm sorry. Anyway, so once I once I surrendered, I will say that I, I did get better fast. I mean, it didn't take a long time. I, I tell my sponsees this. It's not just for the cool girls. This is like quick and, e- and not easy, but not difficult, not uh, complicated. So um, with with all this technical difficulties, I think with that I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nancy P. Nessa R. It's your turn, followed by Reva P. Good morning, Nessa. Hi. Good morning. Um, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada, and um, uh, not being able to differentiate the true from the false. Um, this is what describes to me the mental obsession and therefore the difference between um, a, reco- a recovery and, and, and addiction. You know, when I was in my active addiction, um, I told myself so many lies on so many fronts and I believed them all as if they were true. And I mean, not only regards to the food, like, you know, uh, you had a hard day. Um, such and such will make you feel better. Or, yeah, you can have just two cookies. Um, or, you know, like all the lies that, that I told myself in order to convince uh, me that it was okay to eat, to give me permission to eat. Like, oh, well, you're at a, you're at a wedding. You know, it's like everybody's eating. You know, you cannot be different. You're going to be the, uh, the party pooper if, uh, if you don't go to the dessert table. You know, and all those things, just I, I believe them. I mean, I thought they were the honest truth. Um, and with regards to my life, more lies, more lies. I honestly believe that... Nessa, we're having a little technical difficulty. We need you to unmute, please. Oh, hi. I guess I'm part of the technical difficulties, too. So I was saying, uh, with regards to my life, uh, the lies were that my life sucked because of, um, you know, my circumstances, because, you know, my kids don't take out the garbage, because I live in a small house, because I don't have, um, you know, a lot of money. And, you know, I didn't realize that the truth is that my life sucked because of what's between my ears. 
you know, but I did believe all those lies. Now in recovery, I can see the truth. And the truth with regards to the food is that food is not going to fix any of my problems. But if I stay in the food, it's going to get in the way of my real solution, which is God. And that if I'm tempted, I have to recoil from it as if from a hot flame. As it says in the promises of recovery, starting in page, uh, at the bottom of page 84. And with regards to my life, I know now that the only thing I need to have a good, happy, contented life is a good relationship with God where I am focused on his will for me instead of my will for him and for everybody else, which was another lie that I, that I told myself that if everybody would do what I say, if things went my way, then not only I would be happy, everybody else around me would be happy and much better off, don't you know? But now I know that as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition, I won't tell myself those lies. I will know the truth that all I need to do to be happy is to help God, uh, to, to serve God and help others. And that Thank there's you. no amount of, thank you, that there's no amount, amount, amount of food in the world that can solve my problems, quite the contrary. Um, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And Reva P., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Wow. This paragraph explains to me the question I kept asking myself. Why am I doing this? Why am I repeating a cycle over and over and over that's killing me? So I was focusing on what the food was doing to me. It was killing me. It was killing me biologically, physically, mentally, spiritually. But this explains what food does for me. So first of all, I have an allergy of the body. It is a biological mandate that when I ingest certain substances, I am going to trigger a phenomena that makes me want more and more and more and more till I kill myself with that substance. There is nothing I can do about it. If anybody's been on any drugs and I've had some drug allergic reactions, it was a mandate. My body had certain reactions and there was nothing I could do about it. Um, So it explains that to me. Um, But then when my drug is down and when I've gone through the discomfort of detox and I'm abstinent only, I cannot cope with life. I get restless, I get irritable, I get discontent. Um, It could be a small thing, it could be a big thing. I don't like feeling my feelings. I don't like being uncomfortable. I like ease and comfort. So when I ingest certain substances, it does give me that sense of ease and comfort for a second. I don't care if it's for a second. I need ease and comfort. Um, And I didn't know that there was any other way to get it. Um, So I repeated my cycle over and over. And for me, it is like a drug addict. For that first second, I get like, ah, ah. I numb out. I don't have to feel angry, sad, lonely, because I am totally numbed out. So the miracle of this program is I can access ease and comfort in a healthy way where life gets recreated, where I 
am awake, um, where I get to uh, live fully, where that hole in my soul is filled. And that's by putting my drug down because I can't handle the drug, um, my foods, ingredients, behaviors. Um, and then start working the steps to get a replacement ease and comfort that is so much more um, satisfying. I didn't even know it was available. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Melissa G., it's your turn, followed by Harlan G. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa G. from Michigan. Um, very grateful to be on the line today. If you would have talked to me yesterday, I would have definitely said, nope, I'm done. I'm just, I give up. I'm not worth recovery. I'm never going to get it. Um, it's crazy, this disease. And those are the lies I tell myself, um, that alcoholic life that I think is the only normal life. I am so close to being in what's considered a right-sized body, and yet my brain is telling me, well, Melissa, why continue? You know you're just going to gain it all back like you have every other time, so you might as well just do it now because it's inevitable. Um, and when I read this paragraph this morning, <laughs> obviously something's lacking in my spiritual connection. I think I took that for granted. Um, I figured because I love God and I have a relationship with God that that was just a no-brainer. And, of course, I had this spiritual experience. But as I'm coming off yet another relapse, I realize that absolutely my spiritual experience needs to be um, much different than the expectation I have on it. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm going to keep coming back. Yesterday I wasn't coming back, but... Thanks to um, a couple people, they encouraged me, and I'll keep moving forward. And that's the miracle of this program. So thank you, and I hope to see you all again. Bye. Thank you, Melissa G. And Harlan G., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Harlan. Thanks, Lynn. Boy, we've got the real Toronto connection going here this morning on the line. Thanks, Lynn, for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. This paragraph is fundamental to the entire program. This, this paragraph is the cornerstone to everything on which we are going to build in the rest of the program. What is this paragraph telling me? This paragraph is telling me that I am eating for an effect. I thought I liked all the garbage I was throwing down my throat. I thought I really liked cookies and cakes and candy and all that stuff. No. What I really like is what those things do for me rather than to me. What they do for me is they give me about nine seconds of euphoria. Food was never the problem for me. Food was the solution to the problem. And if food was the solution to the problem, the problem was what? The problem for me is the buildup of everyday normal human emotions. And I lack power over those emotions. Fear, anger, jealousy, shame, dishonesty, guilt, remorse, happiness, all these emotions would plague me 
And as I could not feel those emotions comfortably, I could not be okay with those emotions. Lack of power became my dilemma. But food became my solution to the problem because food gave me an instant effect so that those feelings would drop off to the background. The only problem is, is that food doesn't last very long. My brain would focus in on what those cookies would do for me. Chips Ahoy could take me to a place I love to go, but they would only keep me there for a few seconds. And then what it says here, I cannot differentiate the true from the false. Every time I ate certain foods, I would tell myself I'm only going to have one or two. And because of the physical allergy, the physical allergy that took me over once those foods were inside me, I would end up eating way more than I had ever intended. And when I'm not eating, I'm restless, irritable, and discontented, throw in scared to death, jealous as hell, desirous of death, angry. All these emotions would overtake me. And when it says here, I see people eating with impunity, what that means is they're not getting punished for it. My friends could have one cookie. I couldn't have one cookie unless it was the only one I could get my hands on. So food became a drug for me when I was one minute old. It became the solution to my problem. It became what I went to to make these icky, horrible feelings go away. And it worked like a charm until it didn't. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harlan G. Well, just a reminder for people who might have come in a little bit later this morning, we are continuing our study of the doctor's opinion. We're on page XXVIII, the bottom of the page, men and women drink essentially. And this morning we're reading through four lines ending at the top of the next page where it says, uh, taking with impunity. So just a reminder, please, although we value your experience, if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have a turn. And the line is now open for sharing. Please say your name just once. It does help me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Mary Ann C. C. No, Jen A. Laura Lou B. Ginger This is who I heard. I heard Carolyn S. H. Uh, Mary somebody. Jen A. Ginger C. Who did I miss, please? Laura Lou B. Leslie W. Somebody. There's somebody B. Lou. Lou J. Christina L. Okay. There's somebody B. Could just that Lou say their T. name? Lou B. Okay, great. I got it now. Thank you so much. Our lineup is Carolyn S. H., Mary, Jen A., Liz B., Ginger C., and Paul T. And I apologize to those that I couldn't quite hear. 
Carolyn S.H., can you start us off, please, followed by Mary. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, morning. Lynn. Thank you so much for your service. Um, I really appreciate you. Um, Carolyn S.H., calling in from Massachusetts, recovering. I'm starting my timer. Um, So uh, I'm so glad that we're just doing half of this paragraph, and it's really helping me understand the paragraph. So this, like others have said so beautifully, that what this, the first half of this paragraph is saying um, is that uh, I use food um, to treat my restlessness, irritability, and discontentedness. Um, And that's basically how I lived. Um, It it was just an uncomfortable existence. Um, And the only relief I got from that was when I was um, knee deep in a bowl of ice cream or or eating donuts um, 24-7. And the, the way this was described to me, so what's really cool is the beginning of this paragraph is, so what we're reading today is about the mental obsession. It's like why I pick up, why I pick up in the first place. Um, but what makes me a true um, compulsive eater is I have two things. I have the obsession of the mind, but I also have the allergy of the body, um, which uh, the doctor has already started to explain. But then the second part of the paragraph um, speaks directly to the allergy of the body. So once I, the obsession of the mind tells me to pick up, I've picked up. Um, now I'm really screwed because I have um, the allergy of the body, which is not going to let me stop eating. Um, I don't know when I'm going to stop. And it was explained to me um, that, like, if you look at the, the cycle, this, um, uh, looking for the phrase, the, the well-known stages of the spree were described to me like on a clock. Like if you start at 12 o'clock, let's say that's when I pick up my first bite, I succumb. Um, then at three o'clock, I put it down and I feel remorseful never to, um, to eat again. And then I pick it up again. No. And then at six o'clock, like I'm, I'm abstinent and I'm detoxing. Um, but then at nine, I'm already, I'm discontented again. I'm back to the beginning of the paragraph. I'm discontented and irritable. So now I got to pick up again and I'm on that cycle and then it says the last sentence that we'll get to tomorrow, the last sentence of this paragraph, um, I'm not going to be able to get off that wheel until there's an entire psychic change. Um, and the miracle is that this, these 12 steps, this program brings you to that, brought, brought me to that entire psychic change. Um, and I am not on that wheel. I'm just not. It doesn't exist for me anymore. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn S.H. Mary, it's your turn, followed by Jen A. And can I have the initial of your last name, please, Mary? Press star one to unmute. Sorry about that. This is Mary Ann, and my my initial is V and I'm from the Southern Adirondacks in upstate New York. And I haven't shared in a a long time, but two reasons I'm sharing today. One is this paragraph is great to share on, and the other is it's my birthday today. So I thought, well, I'm going to share. I I love this paragraph, and I like it even more now because I went through the book with my sponsor, uh, 
and she said to read this paragraph with I, use I. So I would say I drink, I eat, essentially because I like the effect produced by alcohol, and everything becomes I. And it became even more powerful for me reading it that way. It's me. We're talking about me here, not just some elusive person that, you know, um, this doctor is talking about. And I, um, my top weight was 322 pounds, and after that I lost it, gained it back four more times, and went back up over 300. And um, it was definitely injurious. Um, diabetes, high blood pressure, had to have two knee replacements. Yet I keep kept going. I kept going back despite all these diagnoses, despite the extreme pain caused by the arthritis. Um, and, you know, I know that I could go back there again. Um, and I also know that I picked up, you know, throughout my life, I'm 64 today, I started um, overeating when I was 12, no, about 8, 8 years old. Um, and then um, I picked up credit cards when I got out of college and the silly credit card companies started sending me these plastic money. And so I've used both those substances, so, you know, most of my adult life. Um, I'm grateful to be in recovery. I'm grateful I'm not overeating and I've maintained my body weight and, and um, been abstinent for over seven years now, but I'm not abstinent from spending. And, um, you know, Amazon Prime is um, facilitates this addiction. And um, I realized recently that someone said, you know, you, if you're picked up another addiction, you might be abstinent from your food, but, you know, you're not really spiritually fit. And that was an ouch moment. So I'm doing a lot of introspection and working in a 12-step workshop to um, address that and I, because I don't want it to lead me back to the food, which will definitely kill me, and the spending will kill me spiritually. So, yeah, I get some ease and comfort when I click submit your order. Um, I get that rush, and I'm looking for the UPS man in the afternoon. Oh, my, I'm an addict, and I'm so grateful there's a solution and that you're all here to support me in this journey, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Marianne V. Jen A., it's your turn, followed by Liz. Good morning, Jen. Hey, Lynn. Thanks so much for taking the meeting this morning and, and keeping the circus in order, right? Uh, my name is Jen A. I'm recovered here in Colorado this morning. And um, this paragraph and the next one that we'll continue on tomorrow, the rest of the paragraph, um, tells me what happens if I am restless, irritable, and discontent, right? So I can have distance from food for a period of time, right? That was me. I could stop. I could start. I could stop. I could start. I could diet. I could exercise. I could do whatever. Um, but eventually, when it gets too much, um, I go back and I seek that ease and comfort back to the food, back to the additional exercise, back to the pills, back to the potions. That was my solution. How did I learn that? From this text and this book and you people. Um, and I can learn this information and I can pile up all the knowledge in my head and I can read the doctor's opinion. In fact, I have this friend in program. She said, my doctor opinion is falling out of my a book. And um, I said, oh, really? She goes, yeah, I, my sponsor just keeps making me read it over and over again. And um, today, you know, I look at my book and the whole freaking thing is falling apart. And I say, thank you, God, right? Because I needed something more than just this doctor's opinion. 
um, I needed um, something more than just uh, the effect of the food. I needed more than just sitting in a meeting and people hugging me to death. Um, I, I, I realized that in this program, um, this disease is internal. It's the body, it's the mind, and it's the malady. And the recovery for me was internal. And um, what I realized it had nothing to do with my external circumstances or the conditions in my life, that it had to do with the relationship with my loving creator. And I hear it on the line all the time, the hole in my soul. Yep, that's it. That what was, that's what was missing for me. Um, you know, I know that I needed power. I had lost control. I had lost choice. Um, I was suffering from a spiritual malady. And if you would have told me that, um, I would have thought you were crazy, but I just kept reading and kept going, not stopping at the doctor's opinion. Um, and today I'm given power. I'm accessing power from my creator, and I can reinvent my life. That's what this book tells me, um, with that power, with that God. And just like we're experiencing on the line this morning, like all the chaos and, and the muting and the unmuting and the this and the that, for me, that used to make me impatient. It used to make me crabby. I'd get a short fuse. I'd get fed up with it, right? That's the restless, irritable, and discontent girl I used to be. Today, I thank you, God, that I can show up with calmness, um, that I'm easygoing, and that, you know what, I'm just content, and it's going to be what it's going to be. That's the miracle. That's the miracle of the internal rearrangement of my heart and my mind as a result of doing this work. And... Um, that I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Liz B., it's your turn, followed by Ginger C. Please go ahead, Liz. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you. This is Lou, Lou B., L-O-U-B, in Texas, and recovered, and I am very grateful this morning to be on the line. Thank you for hearing me. Um, so much like the other folks have, and, and I forgot to set a timer. Could you time me, please, Lynn? Much like other folks have have shared, um, you know, I came into the rooms, and when I came into the rooms, I was pretty much living on Cheez-Its and orange juice, and, you know, I thought that the orange juice was going to, you know, survive or bring me health or whatever. I don't I don't know, but anyway, I, I was I was very addicted, and, um, you know, I learned in, when I first walked into the rooms, I learned about the allergy of the body, and that was like a revelation to me. I was like, oh my gosh, really? And, and um, I lived thinking that I had an allergy of the body for in the rooms, you know, for 15 years. And, and actually, you know, I raised kids in that state and I, I held down a job and I, you know, I was relatively successful, but, but I didn't really, the group that I was in didn't really talk about the mental obsession and the need for a spiritual solution. And it wasn't until I got to vision that I really learned about that part of, of recovery. And, and when people talk about the difference between abstinence, and re- being absent and being recovered, I, I know what that means firsthand because I've lived abstinently and, and actually, like I said, it was a big improvement over Jesus and orange juice. And, you know, my brain began to function and a lot of things began to happen. But what I, what I you know, came to believe and, and really was going on all along but became extremely evident by the time I got to this room was that the mental obsession, I still have the mental obsession for sure, and I was, you know, compulsively eating abstinent food. So it wasn't until I got here that I really learned that 
you know, that is still bondage. That mental obsession is still bondage that I would pick up more food when I wasn't hungry and that, you know, it, I didn't need fuel. I needed something else. And then something else that I needed was a spiritual solution and a relationship with, with um, a higher power that, that loves me unconditionally and completely and is the source of all my power. You know, in step one, I admitted I was powerless, right, over food. But this is where I get my power back from my higher power. And, um, you know, I have infinite power. And he gives me the ability to, to be able to see to differentiate the truth from the false, you know, and to understand that when I really want food to to change the way I feel, he is the only source of something that can make, that can change the way I feel, you know. And so today, I really do feel like I have a choice. I can look at more food and I can say, yeah, I can eat that. And and like other people say, it it would give me three or four seconds of, of release, but but I don't want that today. You know, what I want is I want to really change the way I feel. I really want to be filled with the sunlight of the spirit and live in the sunlight of the spirit. I don't want to have a temporary single second solution. You know, I want a solution for the rest of my life. And I appreciate y'all's time, and I'm going to pass with that. Everybody have a great day. Thank you, Lou B. Ginger C, it's your turn, followed by Paul T. Good morning, Ginger. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Um, Ginger C, recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And just a huge shout out. Thank you so much for those that were behind the scenes this morning working on that technical difficulty. Um, It's amazing the links that A Vision for You goes to to have a nice meeting each morning and Just really appreciate that. So thank you all who were there and tending to the problem. And thank God we're waking up now and tending to our problem because really I'm just a selfish, self-centered being thinking way too much of ginger. And I must be rid of it or it will kill me. So thank God I have this daily reprieve, these directions, and most importantly, God. Because without God, I don't do anything. I can't even get out of bed during COVID. And I just started thinking, you know, you're trying to muster your will again, self-reliance. It's getting you nowhere, Ginge. How about you pray to God? God, help me to get back to my discipline, my discipline that works so well. So I love the top of this sentence, though, the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks and drinks which they see others taking with impunity. And that's the word that it's really jumping out off this page in this paragraph, impunity. They're not punished, not punished. And oh my God, what happens to a real compulsive overeater when they take that first bite? Where do we go? It's not pretty. I am absolutely punished. I'm punished over and over because I repeat this vicious cycle thinking that somehow, some way this food is going to get me through this thing called life, life that was too scary to face. And um, boy, the places that we go though and what ends up you know, my reality, I'm actually just laying in bed with my little dog. And and that was my reality at the end of my eating. And thank God I was beaten into a state of reasonableness because I wanted to somehow keep the food in play at all costs. But man, when it gets bad, it gets bad. And I couldn't get out of my bed. I was depressed. I was almost 200 pounds. I didn't want to live. I was filled with wrappers on the side of the bed, in the bed. 
chewing on the chocolate. My kids would walk in the door. I'd give them a scary face to get them back outside because I didn't want them seeing their mom. And that space. And I couldn't stop. And I knew if I didn't eat the sugar, I wouldn't want to kill myself. And I can't stop. And then it's like, why waste some money on the psychiatrist? You're just going to go back and you're going to go back into that bed with those wrappers. But again, it takes what it takes because until you're done, you're not done. You may be in pain, but do you really, are you really willing to go to any lengths? This is not an easy program. A price has to be paid and it's hard work. And we can't rest on laurels and we can't stop moving our muscles even during COVID. So thank God I got to that level and that pain because it was real and it was death. And this is one thing, and and I'm going to end with this. We were talking about it last night, you know, under the 12 and 12 in the first step. It says, under the lash of alcoholism, we are driven to AA. And there we discover this fatal nature of our situation. Do we talk about that enough in these 12-step rooms, this fatal nature? This is life and death. What are you doing? It's fatal in nature. It only progresses. It only will get worse. And I don't think we talk enough about this fatal nature. So what's my choice? And thank God my choice today is God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. And Paul T., please go ahead. Hi, Paul T. here, a compulsive overeater from Texas. Um, restless, irritable, and discontented. I can definitely relate to that. I think we all can relate to that. Um, uh, yesterday was particularly difficult for me. I had a friend coming over to drop something off. A friend. I was freaking out. I tried so very hard on my own to just relax. Like, okay, it's a friend of yours. It's okay. You know. But, well, I'm just getting anxious thinking about it. I I'm so very new to this program, and it has helped me so much. And without y'all, I I would have been stuck in my face. I just wanted to say thank you. I thank thank God. I mean, today is a new day, and I'm I can really relate to the last lady speaking. You know, I had pizza boxes stacked up to the to my shoulder, just. And, you know, all evidence to the contrary, I thought I was fine. You know, I couldn't distinguish the truth from the false. This was several years ago. I, mm, I, I'm going to start crying. Uh, I passed. Thank you, Paul T. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning and to our Wednesday workforce. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, this morning's meeting, Wednesday, August the 12th, 7 a.m., 15145. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Katie G., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
Hey, Lynn, thanks for your service. KG recovered in Boston. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.